Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, where we bring you weekly conversations with purpose-driven leaders. Our focus is to share meaningful conversations with purpose-driven people having a big social impact in our community. Our mission is to enable you to listen, connect, and grow. You can learn more at humansofpurpose.com.au. You're raised to want to do something else for other people, you know, like just because you, you, and and I've always been aware of the fact like, Yes, I may have not grown up in the circumstances like a majority of, you know, South Sudanese and all you have to do is see the news have. Uh, but like, I know that I'm lucky. Like, there's nothing different about me. Like, it could have easily been me in that refugee camp in Kakuma in 1999, but it wasn't. Welcome back to the podcast and great to have you with us as always. Those are the wise words of Tina Quek. I met Tina last week as part of the Williamson program. She was speaking at the North Melbourne Football Club, and I thought she was just terrific. So I decided to uh, creep up to her after the talk and invite her on the show, and she came, which was awesome, because we've got today's podcast to share with you. She is the founder and head of Kazi Victoria. Kazi Victoria is a not-for-profit organisation in Melbourne committed to reducing unemployment and to really helping migrant refugee community navigate the Australian job market. Bettina is also a senior policy officer at DHHS Victoria in the Victorian government, and she's had an incredible history, uh, including including her journey from South Sudan to Australia, which we cover, uh, working in government, which is a, a common shared history of ours, and President Bettina. And um, yeah, just so much to learn from Tina and how she approaches life, uh, her challenges, and how she's going at juggling her incredible uh, work, both with Kazi and in DHHS. If you're getting good value out of the Humans of Purpose podcast, we'd love you to support us on a monthly basis by joining our community at patreon.com slash humans of purpose. There's so much to learn from uh, spending some time with Tina. One thing would be her infectious enthusiasm and optimism for her work, her love of what she's doing. Her work ethic is just outstanding, and you'll hear about how she manages to juggle everything throughout the podcast. And also, I think the value of setting one's purpose and goals very early and having a strong family structure in place to support that and that feedback loop. So enjoy today's podcast and leave you with the wonderful Tina. So, Tina, great to have you with me. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I really uh, loved meeting you the other week as part of the Williamson program. I thought your uh, your talk at the uh, North Melbourne Football Club was very inspiring. Thanks, Mike. It was, it was nice meeting you too. So, you, you had a, like a, a flock of our people in that program come up to you after the presentation? Yes, definitely. I think I knew you were one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I sort of like tried to play it cool, if you noticed. I hung up the back a little bit. Was was that? Did it come across well? Or No, no, it definitely came across well. As soon as you um, told me about the podcast and what you do, I sort of put a note, mental note, and on the Uber mm-hmm. home, I started um, Googled it. I was like, oh, wow, this sounds pretty awesome. And then I think you sent me a LinkedIn message uh, quite soon after. So that was really, really great. Um, I was really looking forward to this. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, so good to have you. Um, we've got so much in common, obviously, both public service, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey uh, into your space and what you're up to now. If you want to take me far back, uh, however far back you like. Far back. Oh, okay. Uh, In terms of where I am now with Kazi or with where I'm working? Maybe if you can tell me a bit about uh, your journey here to Australia. Yeah. uh, And your family and then, you know, just sort of career decisions. I'd love to hear the background. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's always a hard question for me. Yeah. I'm I'm way too vague about it. Sorry. No, No, that's okay. I get it a lot. uh, Especially with someone's like, oh, where are you from? It's because I'm like, oh, do I give them like a 30 second version or like five minutes, you know? Trust me. Uh, I'm I'm Jewish. (laughs) I have the exact same problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, so I, what a lot of people call a third culture kid. Yep. TCK. Uh, TCK. Good. I, that's good. You, you you know the term. We've had a few of you awesome people on the podcast before. Oh, that's amazing. Yep. That's really good. Yeah. So I was um, born from born in Sudan in Khartoum, and two months after I was born, we sort of moved to uh, Nigeria, and we were in Nigeria for five years. My family and just both for like work purposes and just the situation that we were in at the time. And then my dad decided, okay, you know what, you're Sudanese, you don't speak the language and you have never met any other Sudanese family. So we moved to Kenya because uh, we knew quite a few of our relatives were there. Are there a lot of Sudanese in Kenya? A lot, yeah. yeah. Well, so Kenya actually borders with South Sudan. Yep. And so you have a lot of people that um, sort of migrate from Sudan to Kenya 
Um, yeah, so we moved there. I spent um, quite a few years there and then eventually came to Australia when I was nine. So by the time I was nine years old, I had already lived in Sudan, Kenya and uh, Nigeria and then Australia. What are your memories like of Africa? Oh, really good. Really good. I mean, quite after I moved to Australia, I moved back again for a few years. So, and I still used to go almost every year because my mum was still um, living and working there. So my mum worked for the United Nations um, program, development program in Juba. And wow. then she moved on to work for the government there. So I, I've been there quite a lot. Yeah. And so when you settled, you, you grew up in Canberra? No, I'm, I'm actually a Melbourne girl. Oh, right. Okay. I was confused <laughs> yeah. by the uh, what's t- to follow. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I did go to I, – I lived in Canberra for the past five years, but I'm actually a Melbourne girl. I went to Canberra to do my master's at, at the Australian National University yep. and uh, stayed. Oh, awesome. <laughs> a lot of people say if you stay in Canberra for more than three years, you, you're stuck. You're never going to leave. <laughs> it's too comfortable. So um, no, I stayed for almost five years and then I left. How did you like Canberra? Tell me all about it. Oh, look, I love Canberra. I think people give Canberra quite a hard time, um, but it's a really good place to live. I think when you're in your you know early 20s or mid-20s like I am, uh, it is uh, it's not that much to do. Yeah, yep. you can <laughs> drink and go to the pub or some of the other clubs. Well, when, well, the funny thing when I first went to Canberra, they had like maybe like two main bars and like one car club. Like yep. Any Canberrans listening, Mooseheads, <laughs> the place to <laughs> Shout be. Out to Shout out to Mooseheads. Um, <laughs> that was like the only place you could go. But by the time I left, like it was a little hub. Like there mm. were so many different pockets that you could go to. Lots of cafe- cafes. It was almost like a little mini Melbourne, very small, but yeah. yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. And so you then entered the uh, APS grad program? Yeah, I got into the Department of Defence grad yep. program. Um, yes, which was uh, good, but it's really competitive. I think I like the further I got, like I first applied and like as I was going, I'm like, I hadn't really thought much about it, but I'm, I'm a little bit competitive. I don't know if you've known it. Not yet. <laughs> Yeah, so um, no, I just kept going and um, yeah, I got in, which, which was really good. Like, Where do you think your competitive spirit comes from? Uh, I don't know, maybe to, I, I have five siblings. Yeah. So you have to compete for everything in that <laughs> house growing up, like the remote, the bathroom, the last piece of chicken, whatever it is. <laughs> like I've just, I've grown up with that. Yeah. It sounds healthy. It sounds like it's a good thing. I think so. I think so. It, Certainly it for career. Yeah, no, well, it's helped me definitely in my career yep. to always sort of uh, want more, want the next thing and like be willing to put in, put in the, I guess, the yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, so was it always like for you a fait accompli that you'd be in the public service or? Uh, I, not necessarily. I don't think I grew up wanting to to be in the public service. Um, I actually grew up wanting to work for the United Nations. Mm-hmm. And when I was in university, I did a, like, um, an internship there for six months and I actually ended up getting a job there. So that was sort of where I wanted to work. And that sort of came out of, um, like I was talking before about how we moved to Kenya. So when we came, went to Kenya, that was the first time um, like I met other South Sudanese and a lot of them were migrants um, because of, I'm not sure if you know, the civil war that was happening yeah, in yeah. Sudan. So in we've, South Sudan, when was that established? In 2011. 2011. So we got right. independence just only in 2011. And yeah. before that, and up until 20, 2005, there has just been civil war. Yeah. Um, so the comprehensive peace agreement, which was signed in 2005, is what brought peace. But so going to South Sudan, like to Kenya, you met so many South Sudanese there. And I remember the first time I sort of, we drove up for two days from Nairobi to Lokichokyo, which is a town, which is near the border. Yep. And um, there's a place called Kakuma, which is like a Kakuma refugee camp, which is set up by United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, UNHCR. And I, I had, I went there and I could see all the branding and like till today, like I still remember it. So I don't know, just that moment really stuck with me because here are people that sort of look like me, but mm. obviously had a very different experience yeah. to me. And I think ever since then, I was probably five years old, yep. it's 1999. Um, and I just sort of said, that's where I want to work. It's amazing so, how stuff like that stays with you, isn't it? I know. And I, like, I remember when I finally went back, because I worked for UNHCR maybe, let's say, 10 years later. Oh, no, like 16, 15 years later. Um, I walked in and, you know, they had the same branding. And I was telling the communications officer, I'm like, 
like market like branding is a big thing <laughs> like, like i remember this logo from like five years ago in yeah. some border town in yeah. kenya like it's it's really um it's 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 important so like, those those big black capital letters on the white background yes sort of yes yeah well because they've got they've got like the unhcr black mm, which is mm, the one you're talking mm. about and then a unhcr blue blue and of which course is what you have to use the, the peacekeeper blue yeah yeah right? yeah it's like yeah. a very um I don't know. It's a, it is. It's a specific blue. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very interesting. And so, so what? What about your mum? Also, was she sort of another kind of lever in the UN? You know, flame that was burning in you. My mum. Yeah. Oh, I'm a little bit, but I think it only hit me later. I was like, oh, actually, yeah, I'm doing what my mum did. Yeah. But I think it yeah. was always sort yeah. of there in the back of my mind. Um, but I think, I mean, my mum's like great. She's a. She's. Like a, probably like my biggest role model, you know, like yeah. she, she, everything that she's been through and how she's sort of done it with so much like, um, you know, like, oh, I don't know, I, don't, I can't find the right word for it, but yeah, she's just, she's just really great. And she, the only reason she, so when I actually moved to Australia, I should probably add this. I was nine years old, me and my siblings and my dad and my mom didn't come because she felt that now that there's peace in South Sudan, we need to give back. Like we need to be the ones wow. to build because we're the educated ones. Yep. Like, you know, and that's not an easy decision mm. for someone to make, especially a mother, mm. you know, with four um, children. My younger sister stayed with her. So, but it's because she really believed in, yeah. in the country and what, what potential that they had there. Yeah. And so, and like looking back, I think just, I realized like that's sort of how we were raised, yep. you know, like you always have to sort of service. You have, yeah, that sort of service. Yeah. Like you wake up and that's what I think about. Mm. But I think just it's so innate in the way um, we were raised to sort of think about that, you know, and just be aware of that fact. So, and what's your connection like to, to South Sudan and the community now? Do you sort of um, speak to people there regularly? Are you getting news? Are you sort of getting updated? The community back yeah, home? Yeah. Yeah, I, I keep up with the news. I keep up. And, I, I mean, I still have family back there. My close sort of neutral family are all here, like mum, dad and siblings are here now. Um, but I sort of keep up with what's happening. Right now I think I'm really focused on the community here because there is quite a big South Sudanese community in Melbourne mm. and um, just because of the experiences that they had before arriving here, they're having a very um, different, <laughs> I guess, uh, like settlement experience in yeah, Australia. Sure. So I try and, um, you know, look at my capacity and do what I can to help the community here yeah. as well to sort of get the best of what Australia has to offer in a way, like, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. yeah. And so you're, you're working in government now. Yeah. Uh, how, how are you enjoying yourself in VidGov? Uh, VidGov? Oh, I like it. Like, um, I think it's a really, like, I'm really quite fortunate that this opportunity sort of came up right after the role with, um, with the UN. And I think it's, like, really great. Like, so I'm working on... Um, sort of strengthening the rights of people with a disability as we transition into the National Disability Insurance Scheme, the NDIS. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, this is unprecedented. It hasn't happened before. So I think it's a really good um, space to be in right now, really good experience. And I think the work as well at the backbone of that is just really important, sort of working that human rights framework. So, and like, which is what I've always wanted to do. Yeah. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really liking Liking my time at Pickup. That's awesome. Can, can we go back to your time, uh, your your job stint at uh, UNHCR? Because we didn't, yeah. didn't get enough information on that. Love yeah. to hear about what it was like to actually be at the UN and what you're up to and um, how you found the whole experience. Yeah, no, oh, it was oh, it was amazing. You know, like for a long time, all I kept thinking is, okay, I need to like do uni, do good at uni, like do a second language. Like I just need to get to the UN. Yeah. And then it, I think once I actually got there, it took me a while while I'm like one night, like sort of working late and you just sort of stop and think, oh my God, like I'm here. Like this is what I've been wanting to do and now I'm doing it. So I don't know. I think it's a really, really good place to work because you just feel like everything you do is just so much bigger than yourself, yep. you know? And like you sort of feel like, I don't want to sound cliche, but you're doing something to sort of change the world, to yeah, help the absolutely. world in a way, you yeah. know. Um, and like, because it doesn't matter if you're, you know, in an office in Canberra or in Nairobi, there's that interconnectedness, mm. like you have that one goal or purpose. Did you ever want to sort of stay or consider staying on there or you felt it was the right thing to come back? I think at the time it was the right, dis it was the right time for me to leave. Yeah. 
Um, but going back a hundred percent, I, I would definitely like, I want to work internationally. I want to work in that area. Like, I think it's just where like my skills, interests, values all sort of meet mm. and I would definitely love to continue working there. Yeah. Um, so you do a couple of other things as well that I'm fascinated by. And I think you were speaking a fair bit about Kazi in the talk you gave, yeah. uh, you're not for profit, uh, introduce us to Kazi and maybe talk to us a bit about the vision there and what you'd like to see happen. With Kazi Victoria. Yeah. Well, I should always start by saying, so Casa Victoria, like you said, is a non-for-profit, which I started um, to help people of a migrant and refugee background secure better employment opportunities here in Australia. Um, over the course of my career, you know, working with UNHCR, um, I also worked as a humanitarian caseworker, um, another Australian uh, humanitarian settlement program, which meant I worked with newly arrived refugees as they sort of came and settled in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I think over and over again, I sort of would hear this story of a lot of people that would arrive here, you know, with just so much hope, uh, you know, they're skilled, they have qualifications, you know, they have experience in a particular field, sometimes in specific fields, like, you know, engineering, sometimes, you know, just in business. And, you know, they come here just thinking, okay, I'm here, I'm going to get a better life, I'm going to work in this same area where I'm skilled in, you know, but then you come here and I mean, Australian market is very competitive. I understand that. Um, but so many of them, um, end up working in just doing odd jobs, mainly sort of unskilled and manual labor yeah. jobs, you know, I was staggered to read some of the statistics from your website or something like, um, 49, 49 out of every hundred, yeah. um, aren't using the skills that they're trained in back home in jobs in. Yeah. And that's only in the state of Queensland. Yep. Okay. And that was the study that was done by Deloitte. So you, if, for example, we were to do that same study in, in Victoria, mm. I would think the numbers would be higher. Yeah. But you agree. Know? Like yep. when you look at the population difference and Queensland was losing $200 million from not utilising those skills. Yeah. Uh, can you just imagine what Victoria would be losing? Oh, yeah. One of the worst experiences I've ever had was when uh, I got a taxi back from the airport and uh, the taxi driver was a, a Somali man who'd been a neurologist in Somalia and he's driving a taxi here. And I was just like, this is just terrible. <laughs> it's absolutely – you'd be surprised how common that is, yeah. you know. So last year I took a taxi, a taxi with um, – an Ethiopian man, an Ethiopian guy here was university educated. He had corporate experience all around East Africa. He noticed our sad Sudanese. He started talking to me about, you know, just my life. Yeah. And I spoke to him a little bit about, you know, Ethiopia and the fact that they have uh, New Year's in September. Yeah. <laughs> Not many people know that. So Ethiopia is actually seven years behind. It's 2011 or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. yeah. It's, it's insane. Um, so I was talking to him. And um, sort of he told me, you know, he's, he's doing taxi, he's driving a taxi now, but um, he was really trying hard to, you know, sort of, because I told him I work in government and he was like, oh, how do you, how did you get that? Like, what did you do? And I was like, well, you know, I graduated, I, I applied and I got you. it. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I must have had this very, I mean, I mean, maybe I was a little bit ignorant or naive, but I had this idea that, you know, that's what you had to do. Was you that know, a you, strange feeling that a fellow African, sort of such different, both educated, very different situations? Yeah. Um, no, definitely. I, cause to, okay. So I know that there is, you know, a lot of migrants that come yes. here will work in, you know, manual or unskilled jobs, but I didn't think that that was happening for those who were also educated, mm, mm. had the experience, had the skills, and also had the drive to want to work in the employment space. That was, I think, what got me. Like when I met him and speaking to him, like very articulate, lots of experience. He really wants to work, you know, get, get an office job somewhere, utilize his skills, mm. but was unable to, you know, and that was what that was actually where it, this all started before I started Kazi. Mm. You know, one week later, I'm doing Leadership Victoria, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, similar yeah, to yeah. where we met. And I How did that connection happen as well? So how did Leadership Victoria and you connect? Oh, well, they had, I did one of their programs. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I did one of their programs. Yeah. And like I went it probably started the next week and we were in a group and there was, you know, other Africans in the group about there was five of us and they asked us to do a group profile. I don't know if they asked this for you. And from our group, three out of five all had postgraduate qualifications, myself included, yep. and two had PhDs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And some heavy hitting group I right know, there. I know. I was like, you know. <laughs> some and, serious firepower. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and it was like in public health, economics. It wasn't yep. like 
some random <laughs> yeah yeah it wasn't something that you know you just oh yeah well I see how you can't get a job in that like it was like you know what I would think you know um, something that quite that's quite transferable and everyone except for myself were like yeah you know we're you know just doing this job or doing that job like one of them like I didn't have a job and that's why he was doing his mm-hmm. PhD mm-hmm. he had been trying for a long time and couldn't get one so I'm like like this can't be a coincidence mm-hmm. like what 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 is happening here? You know, so actually, at when we were doing after that sort of um, conversation, we went out and did a survey. So just spoke to a few people, asked them like all all the people we spoke to were Africans, yep, um, or African migrants, mm-hmm. I should say, arrived here more than five years ago and all university educated, yep, right, and sort of asked them, you know, what do you what do you where you're working. Um, what qualifications do you need for the job that you're doing mm. and what qualifications do you have? Yep. Something like 80% of the people we asked were all working in a position that required way less qualifications than they actually had. Yes. You know, like one yeah. example, there was a lady, she had a master's degree in international relations from yep. Cameroon. But she also had a graduate certificate from a university in community development from the university oh, wow. here. Yep. And she was working in aged care in a position that only needed a certificate from TAFE. A cert three or four or something. Yeah, yeah. certificate three. Yeah. And then one other participant, unfortunately till now, he had a bachelor's in business mm. from Australia, like a university in Australia, and he's working in a warehouse as a manual laborer. So Yeah, it's, it's shocking. And so let's tease this apart a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, some of it's system. So yeah. th- there's unconscious biases at play in the system, which is I love you to talk about 100%. that. Yeah. Um, but also, is, is there a confidence issue for for people you know um, who maybe don't feel because of how how things look yeah. uh, that they they're a chance for these roles that they're well qualified for? So I think you're right. There's definitely unconscious bias, but um, there is that lack of confidence in yep. this gentleman who has a business degree and is working in the warehouse. He was applying, 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 kept getting rejected and just said, I give up. It's never going to work for me. This is where all my people are. This is where I belong. This is where I'm going to be, you know. And so it's, um, there is that. And when I started speaking to the participants, a lot of them sort of felt like, you know, they didn't have the local Australian experience. They had no networks and they didn't have an understanding of Mm. the recruitment system. Yeah. So with Kazi, what I decided to do because I said, okay, look, like that's something I can work with. Yep. I mean, I can't work on unconscious bias. Yep. I can't yep. go out there and fix that issue, but at least we can sort of create um, a space where we can provide support to people yep. um, in terms of uh, giving them a better understanding of how the recruitment system here works. You it, make, it makes so much sense to me. Yeah. When I looked at your website, first of all, great website. Oh, thank you. It's clean, <laughs> it's professional, it's, it's just everything that I'd love for my websites to look like. <laughs> but um, your three streams, I uh, noticed particularly so the skills training, um, the education and the networking, all so relevant. And I think the power of networks to, um, to you know, scale and, you know, fan out disproportionately impacts the system, I think. Um, so your, all your social connections, who knows who, who knows who, um, and just getting people in that environment where they can, you know, make those connections. Yeah, no, I think networking, like access is a big deal, you know, and a lot of people don't think of it consciously because access is just something we have. Mm. Like, you know, you went to school with this person yep. or you live next door to that person or your dad is friends with it. Like it's it's not so much that you, just having access means automatically you have a job but then it does open your mind. You know, it's yeah. like common saying what you can't see something if you, if you, you need to see something to be it. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So I think what we do, so I mean, when you look at our website, like it seems like it's really like we focus on three main things. It's the really back to basics, like resume writing, uh, preparing for interviews and networking. Yep. Resume writing, just because that's constantly changing. Like I'm, yeah, not, an, yeah. I'm not an expert, but we do yeah. do workshops where we actually get the experts to come in and yeah. say, hey, this is what's trending in 2019 yeah, 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 and this yeah. is what you need to do. Um, and similar with interview, um, preparing for interviews, because mm. there's very many different styles. Right now, the big thing, I think, is behavioral style interviews. So yeah. we actually had a workshop on Saturday yeah. that sort of focused on that. Man, those things are huge. It's, like I recently started to figure out how much I didn't know about how to handle interviews and resumes. Like I I used an online tool to build my resume and I was just all these questions about what is common practice. Um, and also, you know, how do you even prepare for an interview? Like I, 
I know some of the stuff, but no advanced techniques. And that's such a hard thing to nail down. Yeah, no, no. I think, I mean, even I take notes in, yeah, in those yeah, workshops. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm there to give the intro and to set it up, but I, I'm also taking notes. Like it's a big, big thing. Um, and like, and like you said before about the networks, that's like one thing, like we've already had two workshops on resume writing and, and, um, and preparing for interviews. And now we want to do sort of a networking session where we get like CEOs, um, you know, directors, um, you know, assistant directors, mm. <laughs> like just people from different um, areas where, you know, migrant job seekers wouldn't necessarily always have that access to yep. and bring them in a space together where they can, I guess, just talk, yep. you know, like what we're doing now. You're like, yeah. you never know what can, you know, you learn from each other. Yeah. And then from there, something will always sort of grow organically. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think just adding people to your networks is always great. I think, um, you know, those those skills are really important. But, but I think what you've done is, and what I like about Kazi is you've so clearly articulated the three pain points. So you can tell that you've done a lot of research and sort of saying, if we get these three things right, that's going to have a huge impact on people's chances of getting work. Uh, how are you seeing it all play out? Are you seeing some sort of good success stories or a bit too soon to tell? Or how do you feel about it all? Oh, look, I think I think it is too soon to tell. I hope the, fam- the formula works. <laughs> like, yeah. This is what yeah. we've worked out. Like, I mean, Kazi literally so... Last year is when we did all the work in the surveys yep. and we only just started like launching the start of this year. Yeah. And we've... It's way too soon. It's, it's way too soon. Yeah. Wording. Like yeah. February, we had the workshop. March, we had one. Now we're having yeah. one next month. How's your oh, workshop attendance going? Good. Like this is the thing that really got me is like I, after the survey, I knew there was an, a problem. I knew there was a gap. Yeah. But I didn't realize like how much of a problem this yeah, was, yeah. you know, like I yeah. had and, and no also, idea. I think with problems, you know, people just assume, okay, you've articulated the pro- the size of the problem really well. So yeah. the fact section down the bottom of your page really shows that this is a significant problem. The, the other part of the t- problem is the technical part. So we know that there's a problem. Do the people who we're trying to help um, understand their problem and that, you know, the solution is the right fit for them? Yeah. And, and that's, again, another thing, like people not sort of realizing that it's like, it shouldn't be like this because you do have a lot of people. And I mean, this doesn't happen so much with the younger generation, but the older generations of migrants, the, you know, newest scientists, like yep. you mentioned yep. before, and the, the doctors yep. and like they come in and sort of uh, think, okay, well, look, we're, we're here. It's good. We have some kind of income. Like that's fine. Um, at least we can still pay our bills. Yep. But I mean, I don't think that's right. I don't yeah, think it's um, fair. Yeah. And, you know? But I think it's interesting as a society how we kind of accept that as just being the case because, um, you know, anyone who's around it or involved in the system is pretty complicit in that kind of thinking and how we, you know, we, we do or don't channel opportunities the right ways. But I think the things that you're doing sound like a really good platform like to, to elevate people. So to, to give them, it, it's kind of like the fisherman model, you know, you don't give them the fish, you give them the fishing rod and the, all the skills that you're talking about are really going to hopefully equip the group of participants with, you know, more confidence, more connections, more more of the right things. Yeah, well, I mean, well, that's the whole point, you know. First tell them, like, as long as you have the skills, you have the qualifications, then it's your right. Like, you should have access to the open market. You mm. should have access to these jobs, you know, mm. like you can do them, you can prove you've done them, you know, yep. you give that confidence, you know, yep. like just go ahead, apply for it, you know, and, and like, it just really, it's hard when you hear people sort of lose that. And I don't want to say it's a lack of resilience because people are trying, you know, when, when you hear people saying, oh, you know, we tried and this and that, but this is just, it's not for us, maybe for our children, this, I'm like, well, it's, it just doesn't, I don't think that's good enough, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And I think it takes every one of us just sort of being aware of these issues. And this is why I bang on and on about it. Yeah. Like, but people need to article. see you doing that, I think is really important. So oh, I wonder is you. like, is advocacy part of the sort of Kazi strategy? You're, you're blogging, you're sort of out there talking, we're talking now. Is it sort of part of the making the change and being the visible role model? Yeah. I mean, look, advocacy is. Right now I've been focused a lot on sort of the workshops that we're doing because yep. that's the key like actually getting the right people to come in and listen, you know, to to the experts speak on the topics. Like, you know, we had Hayes Recruitment come in and I talk saw, about yeah, talk about resume yeah. writing. And then um, just last week we had like a director of human resources from the 
Victorian government come and give a presentation on, um, you know, preparing for interviews and also like a recruiter who's, you know, been doing it for 30 years. So I'm trying to get just making sure the right people come in to talk about this. But I think bigger picture, it's also, yeah, we need to just make sure we have like, um, like I'm sure there's policies around it, but just make it creating more awareness around the issue, you know, because if myself, like, yes, like, I'm an African migrant. Like I went to uni, I graduated, I started work. I thought that's how it was. I was surprised by the numbers of people who were facing this. Mm. So I can only imagine like no one else, um, a lot of other people would sort of just assume or maybe think it's not a, it's not a big issue. And I think that it's really easy because, um, once people get a job, they sort of fall off the radar, yep. you know, everybody think, yep. oh, you know, you're getting a job, you're like, you're fine. But I mean, for like health and well-being, you need to be able to align like your skills and qualifications to the job you're doing. You need to feel like you have that purpose, like you're doing the Absolutely. right thing, you know. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Doing work that's not doing- aligned with your own purpose, I think is uh, really bad for you. Yeah. But I think, you know, some other things I'm thinking about as we have this conversation is like, you know, um, across the sector, um, unemployment might be down, but underemployment is up by a lot specifically for like young generations. Yeah. And it's hard to keep track of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I tried really to like find statistics on underemployment, yeah. but that's not the focus. No. I mean, I understand why. It, it's not recognized as a problem, no. but you talk to people sort of, um, I don't know your age, my age, but you know, sort of twenties, thirties and, um, ask them what they do. And a lot of them are working part-time, but would prefer to be working full-time. Uh, a lot of them are working, you know, that between part-time and full-time so they can do other cool things, like maybe have a not-for-profit or a startup or social enterprise or, you know, a book or a podcast or doing, doing, it's, it's a sort of portfolio lifestyle sort of seems to be emerging that's quite different. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I think, I think the, um, the system calls it the gig economy. But if you ever ask most people, do they love the gig economy? They'd just be like, no, I want stable work. You know, yeah, yeah. Sort of a bit of a conflict. Yeah. In how no, we frame it. Yeah, no, definitely. But I think you like sort of mentioned a good point there, the difference between people working part time but wanting full time yeah, work and yeah. the people working part time by choice because yeah, they yeah, want to do yeah. other things on the side. You yeah. know, like unemployment sort of comes in if you're working part time and you want to do more mm, but mm, can't yeah. for whatever reason that is. Yeah. And it's really hard to get data on that it's really we don't keep track of that right yeah. now we're, we're focused on the unemployment rate you know yeah yeah i think i, I just think it's a missed opportunity to have a conversation in that space because I, I do think that it's it's the as our workforce changes and tech is you know ai and everything is emerging um and with the the pressures on the economy underemployment is becoming a significant issue and I, i'm not sure how that affects migrant community in particular but you made a good point. Like, you know, you need to be fully occupied. And like, it's sort of, I think it was Freud who said that um, good work and good relationships are essential for well-being. And, you know, that, that sort of soul, that happiness in the soul. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. That wasn't a question at all. I just got okay. with you. <laughs> yeah. Care to comment? <laughs> comment? No, I mean, I, I can only agree. Like, I, I, I definitely think that. But, I mean, I think when you're sort of, sort of always used to just like that, that hustle lifestyle yeah, yeah, yeah. where you're just trying to yep. keep going, you know, get food at the table. Like, Well, you've got a crazy hustle because I saw, <laughs> I, I um, will just admit now that I, I love your LinkedIn and I had a good store because oh, you had a good you. little, little <laughs> poke around. But um, you're doing like, so you, tell us about the board that you're on and also the other roles that you're playing on top of Kazi and DHHS. Oh, okay. So on top of my role. Yeah, on top of your already very full life. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I work full time <laughs> and do Kazi on the side. Um, no, so I'm on the board of Girl Guides Victoria, which is a fantastic organisation. Um, I mean, Girl Guides, the world organisation, like the international I think they call it WAGS um, version started over a hundred years ago. Yep. And it's, I think till today, one of the largest um, movements of girl empower, of girls, empowering girls and young women. Um, and I just, I really, like, I love the work that they do there. I've, I've been involved with them um, again since the start of this year. I yep. think. Yeah. I just got on the board. Um, and how are you liking being on a board? What's that kind of mean to you? It's interesting. Yeah. No, I, I like it. Like it's, it's been really, really good. Like seeing things at a much higher level and sort of making decisions, um, from, 
and especially, I mean, maybe because I'm new, I'm still sort of finding my way in, yep. sort of forming my yeah, you're opinions. You're still feeling like I'm not sure whether I should say something now or not. I think like, sometimes, yeah. yeah, sometimes. But I'm that type of person. Like you have to say something, but yeah, before the hour is done, <laughs> I think you have to say two things. I think yeah. one close to the start and yeah. one close to the end, so they remember it. Yeah, and then you're, you're done. And then you're you can, done. You cannot do anything else. Exactly. After that. Yeah, but I have this fear of like making sure I just say the right thing. So I'm like really paying attention and really trying to form an opinion. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah. And then I, I make sure I say something. No, but it's been good. It's been really good. Like I, I, I really believe in the, the work that they do. And like the one thing with me is in, in sort of everything I do, I try and make sure it sort of aligns with my sort of value system yeah. and what I wear. Yeah. So it sort of, it really fits in well and it's been good so far. How do you, I'm just curious because I also struggle for time and, you know, doing lots of different things, but do you finish work and then you'll jump straight into Kazi or how do you manage both? Yeah. Um, look, so yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I work, uh, I wake up pretty early. Um, and I try and sort of get myself sort of psyched up for the day and yeah. like I have my little routine. Did you jump going. up and down on a trampoline or anything? Uh, <laughs> I probably should. I can picture that. <laughs> I should, I should. I know I, I do a lot of running. Like I'm a runner. I used to actually um, run in high school. Oh, cool. Yeah, athletics. I did like everything, 800, yep. 400, three kilometers, high jump, long jump, I bet you jump. were good at it. Very, very competitive. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, no. So I do a lot of running. But no, I wake up and sort of just um, – you know, try and do fit in a few hours of maybe one one hour of um, the stuff that I'm doing with Kazi. Yep. There's a lot of emails. So I do a lot of stuff online, connecting with people like yourself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. others. Um, and then sort of get ready for work, do that all day. And then I think I'll, I'll probably leave maybe 5.30, like, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a government job. Um, yeah, and then as soon as I get home, go to the gym and then come back into Kazi. And um, some days I think I've you know, better than others. Like some days I need to spend much longer. Like yep. last week was a bit hectic because we were sort of preparing for the workshop that mm. happened on the weekend. Mm. Um, and, but then some days it's just a matter of just setting up, setting up a few meetings. And So are you a bit like me in that the gym is your mental health? I think so. I, yeah. I need to run. <laughs> yeah. 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 I need to run. Sometimes even just running on the treadmill is not enough. Like I need to just run on the streets or yeah. something. But I, I do the treadmill just because it's, it's easier. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I – I definitely, it's like a good way to sort of be in that moment, you know, um, just sweat it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a great way to be really present. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yep. No, it is. And do you have people that you look up to or other role models sort of beyond the, the family or people who inspire you in your space? Uh, I've, had, I've been asked this question before and I feel like I sound really like jerky because I don't like have someone immediately. Like yeah, I always say good. my mom, like my mom is definitely my, like, biggest biggest role model like she like has just you know like been through so much like and just done so much for like my family and I respect her a lot and she does everything with so much grace and like yeah you wouldn't know I think as I grew older I I got more respect for her because then you start to realize everything that was going on when we were kids that you learn and like on my dad like he's like I love my dad too like he's great but I think in terms of role model, I really love Kofi Annan, who sadly passed away last year. Um, he was the Ghanaian, um, he was a secretary general yes, um, yes, of the of United course. Nations. Yep. And before was Ban Ki-moon, wasn't he? Yes, yep. just before yep. Ban Ki-moon. Um, he was, he was great. Um, and Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou, A lot of her terrific. books. Yes, I just recently got um, for birthday present a collection of her poems. Do you have a, a, a favorite saying of hers or quote? Ah, uh, the phenomenal woman. I yeah. am woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman. That yeah, is awesome. me. <laughs> awesome. oh, yeah, so no, no, I love her. She's, She's got really good. some tremendous sayings. I love. Um, I'm a big quotes person, so when I'm online, she just always pops up, and there's always something what's, to grab. What's your favourite quote? Can't remember a favourite from her. Yeah. Um, oh, look. I won't. I won't give you the best one now. Cause I, I, I think I'm <laughs> put you too, on the spot. Yeah, put me on the spot. I, I should. I should not ask the guest questions if I don't have an answer oh. ready for myself. That's my learning out of this. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send you a quote on the email next week. That. <laughs> no, that's all right. No, I heard another quote um, recently that I absolutely love, and it's a. They say it's a Warren Buffett quote, but I don't think it's his. I yeah. think someone else said it. It's the one, and you might know this. It's um. The chains of habit are too heavy, too light to notice until they're too heavy to be broken. Have you heard that <laughs> that's one? That's awesome. It's 
so that good. That is great. I hadn't heard that before. That is a great it's quote. It's so good. Yeah. It's like you just do things every day. And I mean, normally it's said in like a no- negative way, you know, but then mm. I think you can like sort of do it in, in positive. Well, I, th- like I think habits, do- are, habits are becoming really a big thing now. Yeah. Um, we're listening to an audio book called um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yeah. And it's recommended to me by Jesse Summons, who's on the podcast a few weeks ago. And it's yeah. just fantastic. It's yeah. just great. I it's, think I might have heard that for, one. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's really big now. He used to write a blog or a newsletter that just blew up and went from a few people to just hundreds of thousands of millions. And yeah. then he wrote this book and it's just, yeah, he's really doing great things in the productivity space. Yeah, nice. I love productivity books. Yeah. So they're always, you know, try and learn one or two things about how to improve the quality of your day. Yeah. No, that's good. I normally, I'm not a big fan of um, this sort of, like, I guess, help. Self help books, yeah. but I did get one given to me, which maybe it was a sign <laughs> for, <laughs> for the mentor. It was a it was a Harvard Business Review. Yep. It was a collection of ten articles, and it yep. was on you know leadership and sort of time management. And like, I mean, I think I'm all right with time management. You seem pretty <laughs> damn good at time management. Yeah. I was like, well, I, I remember when I called you, I'm like, I yeah. think I'm going to be three minutes it's late. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I was so impressed. Like that, that blew me away. We've had people turn up like 50 minutes plus oh, late okay. and not tell me. So oh, okay. I, I was so impressed because I mean, I, are you usually early to meetings? Yeah. So I'm usually 15 minutes early to everything. It's yeah. just a bad habit. But Yeah. My problem is I try to get there on time. Yeah. And sometimes I'm there a few minutes early. Sometimes I'm a few minutes late. And yeah. I think because of that book, now I'm like, well, look, you just got to tell them. So <laughs> I remember calling him like, oh, I'll be there at 7.03. Extremely, extremely <laughs> impressed. Like way too professional for what I expect. Oh, amazing. Look, it's, amazing. it's a learning process. Yeah. That was not always me. I mean, maybe it's this book. I don't know. But after reading that, I think maybe if you've got some recommendations, let me know. I'd well, love to read more. Little, I'm happy to tell you all my recommendations, uh, but, you know, we can have a look around the room afterwards. Yeah, um, no, definitely. Yeah. I've, one of the best things about doing the podcast is sometimes people who have written a really good book come on the show. Oh, nice. And so we had Andrew Lee on a couple of weeks ago, the, the federal MP, and yeah. he's um, oh, yes. got an economics background and he's a podcaster as well and a marathon runner amongst many great things. Yeah. He wrote a book called Random Misters, which is just terrific. Called um, what? It's called Random Misters, yep. and it's the history and the, the latest developments in randomised controlled trials and sort of evaluating social policy and how we do it today. Yeah. So that that's fascinating, um, depending on whether you like that kind of thing. Lisa Porterland just wrote this book called Happy Ads, which is terrific. Um, Happy Ads, in, is that Australian? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's in comms and social uh, media communication and sort of all, all the thinking about you know what it is to be happy today in the age of social media and uh, – I found that to be a very easy read. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a fair view to look at. Yeah. There's a couple. How do you do most of your learning? Are you a, a podcast listener or a book reader mainly or Audible? Um, I think I learn by doing. Yep. So trial and error, I'm really, like, big on that. Uh, like, I do read but not so much sort of, like, self-help books. I read lots of um, like Maya Angelou's, like yeah. lots of stories. Yeah. And I still think there's a lot to learn from those oh, absolutely. type of books. Yeah. Um, and I just have phases. So I had like a James Baldwin phase and then like I come to like a more modern, yeah. you know, um, like Dambi Samoyo. You know, so you, like, do you do mainly fiction then? Um, I think, yeah, yeah, quite a bit of fiction. Um, there's some nonfiction there, like, um, but more like autobiographies. I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say, I don't think you watch any TV. Am I right? <laughs> I don't watch a lot of TV. Okay. I don't watch a lot of TV, no. Yeah. I, like Netflix sometimes, maybe. Like I, I do love Netflix. Good to wind down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Netflix is really cool. Um, look, I haven't, I don't know what's happening with maths. I've seen a lot. <laughs> a lot of people ask me. I'm like, I don't know. I actually don't know. People ask you specifically what's well, happening with maths? Well, I just maths? hear it, you know, at work and people are talking. People love talking about maths. They love talking about it. That, that I show, no I was sort of reading an article about it. It's like, there is no other show that's done anywhere near as well as maths in the past. Th- really? Yeah, the ratings, wow. it's just crushed this it. This year or ever? Yeah, yeah. This, this, so the past two seasons yes, of maths, yeah. particularly this year though, yeah. Um, just they got the mix right and the controversy and all the you know the dodgy ethical stuff and yeah, oh, yeah. No, no, it's, it's, it's like the best the... Of, it, it's mainly the worst of human behavior yeah but it's so enjoyable yeah um, I think people just it's like what do you call it trash TV or something. trash TV I think people just enjoy yeah. it yeah no but I like I like I'm looking forward to Game of Thrones coming oh, I can't out wait. Good, I, good. Sorry, I, oh, my God. I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was a big risk by you. Yeah, no. I like honestly like my my partner hates you know 
Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Game of Thrones. I'm like, if you just watch it, it's not the you same. You have to give it a There's, chance. Yeah, you have you to. Can't, you can't convince them. That's the no, hardest part. No, no. You, you, you hold on to this hope that maybe one day, like, you can just con them into watching it. Oh, it'll happen. Oh, I hope it happens for you. <laughs> my wife has not gone near Game of Thrones. Really? Oh, my, sis- so my sister loves it, so we, we watch it together. But no, it's um, so good. Yeah, it's bit, I've been re-watching it actually from the start. And I can tell you the first time I watched it, I had no idea what was going on. I just liked the scenery. Yeah. This time watching it, I'm starting to understand the strategy, the yeah. houses. It's so much yeah. better, so I much think, richer. Yeah, I think that's why I'm, I considered watching it again before, you know, the new season coming yeah. up. But then, I don't know, I, I'm not one to rewatch things. You, you also don't have the time. And no. <laughs> no, no. I can no. make the time. You, you don't have the time. It's hard. No, it's, it's, <laughs> I it's hard to fit it in, especially now. Um, I'm, I can't believe how quick this year has been, just with everything that's been happening with Kazi and at work. What are, you, and, what are your dreams for Kazi sort of in the next year? Um, in the next year. Yeah, what would you like to see happen? Um, so I would love to just get more and more. Like, So we have a lot of people that have sort of signed up to attend um, the workshops. And like right now I just we don't have capacity to take more than 30 mm-hmm. people. So I'd love to get like more and more and sort of expand that um, and maybe do it more frequently. We're doing a workshop a month. And I mean, I thought that was fine, but it looks like we need to do more, maybe one every fortnight. So if we could just sort of... Um, work around that, trying to have more sessions um, and sort of be able to keep track with people and, and, and see how they pan out. Yep. But I think what you mentioned before on advocacy is just, it's really what I've really been thinking about recently, yep. like really just making people aware. Because like, for example, after I did that talk at Leadership Victoria where you were at, just the amount of support that I got from everyone yep. in the room was amazing. Well, I you think know? you're an inspiring person um, and you're very professional and very good speaker but you're also just lovely and, and I think what you're doing is fantastic so like I, I think people is particularly you know want to hear more about what you're doing and you know you've got a great opportunity in those circles and opportunities to just keep um you know being your best self in those opportunities and they'll bounce onto other opportunities and it should just sort of mushroom out oh no thank you yeah. no that's really good to hear because with with Kazi it was not something that I plan to do I didn't you know say this is something I want to do and want to work towards it I sort of feel like I stumbled upon it you know I found an like an issue that was in the community in my community and then just sort of had to assess like my capacity is this something that I can do and because I I was able to do it like I mean I'm not like I'm not in HR I'm I'm not a recruiter but you know I know people that are yeah, you know, sometimes so you, that link. You, sometimes you are just the right person at the right time to do something I great. I think so. Like it would have been. <laughs> I think that's you in this situation completely. Like I, <laughs> I think you, the way you tell the story is you found, uh, you, yeah, you stumbled upon the problem that you were uniquely poised to solve. Um, and I think you're solving it really well. Oh, thank you. No, that's good to hear. No, but it is, it is, um, I, I, I don't think I, I couldn't do it you know, on my own, like, it's not me. I, I feel like a lot of people say it, like I've heard like, it was, Oh, it's really good. You're doing a Kazi, but I just, I don't know. I feel like it's not me in a way. Like I'm just putting people together, you know, like I'm getting the people that are the experts to come in and then the people who need the help to come in, you yeah. know, like I'm like, that's my role. You, in this, you're like, uh, you're like a, you're seeing yourself as like a platform in a way. So you know, matching the two sides creating up. Creating that platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that's a very valid model for, for business and not-for-profits. I mean, being that connector of two things that don't find each other easily, um, you know, that, well, that, that will be. That's what baffles me. I mean, you, yeah. you work in government. Like, yeah. you see there is, like, you know, a lot of um, opportunities. Mm. And also, you know, like, I'm, I work on legislation and policy. Mm. So mm. I know we have, like, really robust, like, you know, anti-discrimination policies. We have, like, laws. We have a lot of, um, like, diversity, inclusion policies, but then for some reason you still have a big chunk of people yeah. who are not, don't have access to these opportunities that are that are within government and, and broader. Well, know? I think part of the answer is it's in the packaging a bit. So yeah. the way you've packaged it up is really makes a lot of sense and government doesn't have the agility or the, the kind of the ground level skills to do, to make something like Kazi. So it's better uh, for everyone if you make an offer profit like that, and then they fund it. Which I think it's good. Yeah, they're... you know, so they along with other people fund it. Or yeah, no, no, I agree. I mean, yeah. you can't expect like they can't just sort of do everything. You know, sort of need that yeah. on the ground. I think um, they government's increasingly becoming more of a stewardship kind of role. I have noticed a, that. Yeah, I rather than a sort of that. direct funder or. Um, Service provider. So, yeah, 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 like still funder, but not yep. service provider, right. so to speak. Yep. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Like, I really just hope, like, the main thing, like, when I, and, like, there's a video of this when when I finished that, the survey and I finished my program, Leadership Victoria, I sort of, like, made this pledge at the time. It was, like, oh, this wishy-washy dream that, you know, if I can, <laughs> if I can help, you know, you know, one person or, like, a few people to, like, sort of overcome this issue, then I'd be happy. And I was watching it, like, the other day because you know when you watch a video on yeah. Facebook and yeah. then it sends you yeah, to like the older yeah yeah so I was watching it and I was like well you know what like like there, there is something we can do and that's what we're doing now you know and with with Kazi like we have the workshops and now we're having this networking which I'm really really hopeful for because I think all you need to do literally just put people right place right time you don't know what's going to come mm. come out of that you know, how can my community support you? Um, so there's been a lot of people listening to this podcast. Um, maybe you want to start with just saying where, where can people go to learn more about Kazi? Oh, um, you can find us on Facebook, our website first. So yep. it's www.kazivictoria.com. Um, we're also on LinkedIn as Kazi Victoria on Facebook. And since today, we are on Instagram. Oh, look out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wasn't sure about Instagram, but I think it's where the people are. Yeah, I think it's important. It's where the people are. Yeah. So um, we're there. And so is the main call to action or ask from us that, you know, just um, check out the website, connect with you if, if they feel, you know, it speaks to them? Yeah, no, definitely check out the website. Contact us if you'd like to be involved in mm-hmm. any way. Um, if you want to attend the networking session, if you think you have something to contribute at the workshops, um, you know, just I think that that would really be be a big help. Um, and maybe get Tina to come and speak at one of your events or <laughs> opportunities because she's fantastic. Oh, thank you. And do you want to, if people did want to sort of contact you, um, are you comfortable for people to reach out on LinkedIn? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. You want to spell out your name? Tina, T-I-N-A, Quick, K-U-E-K. I'm on there. Uh, No, I'm happy. Um, Just send me a DM. I'm always happy to, to meet and talk with people. Um, like, like I said, like the support we've gotten, cause I wrote an article about this, um, earlier this year and the support I got from that has been really overwhelming. Like I'm really grateful to like live in a community where people are, once they become aware of an issue, uh, happy to help, you know, and like yourself as well, Mike. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I'm a bit <laughs> selfish because I just really, I go out and find people who I want to sit down and talk to for longer. And I just, you know, if I get lucky, they agree. We have a whiskey and it's great. So. Yes. No, this is uh, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. Thank you. That's all right. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player. Why not share the podcast with a friend? You could also leave us a five-star review in your podcast player. You may also want to join us for one of our regular live podcasts or to become a show sponsor. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com.au and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook.